After 30 podcast. I'm your co-host Tabitha Valerie and this is our first episode back for 2021. So holy hell, let's put all our vibes into making this the freshest, fresh, fresh start of all time. We're kicking into a three-part money series. So why money? Why are we starting the year off here? Well, it's the obvious. We're starting New Year's resolutions, setting new goals, all that. But we're also coming off the holiday hangover. Also, many of us would rather talk about our sex lives than our income. Money and finances bring up a lot of emotions and it's common, especially in Western culture, that women in particular defer their finances and money management to someone else, the spouse, the partner, the advisor, without really understanding what's going on. So is that really a good idea? So with us today is the incredible Stephanie Wolf, who's the founder of Wolf Collective Wealth Inc., a financial coaching company that helps ambitious women bring their financial goals to life. She spent 15 years working in the financial service sector before becoming certified as an accredited financial counselor of Canada and founding Wolf Collective Wealth Inc. And we're going to focus on how to get financially naked with your significant other. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Oh my goodness. Happy New Year. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you. I am so excited to be here. I can't wait to, to dive into today's topics because it's all things that I love to chat about. I, I, we're so happy to focus on this one in particular because we could talk about so many different things with you. We actually had a hard time narrowing it down because there were so many different ways we wanted to go. So we've got a lot to cover today. Let's let's see how we do it. But yeah, we were really intrigued by this concept of getting naked with your significant other because we've done a couple episodes before, as you know, on money, but we've not gone here. We've not talked about money in the relationship and how best to talk about money together, maybe some tips, maybe some things that we know don't work, maybe some myths. I think that'll just be really fun to get into that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. Well, there's so much, right? First of all, what your work is awesome. I think it's great that like we're putting more, more cash in the hands of, you know, of people. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's great. No. And thank you for being here, but let's start at the top. Like what are some of the best ways to start learning about your finances? without feeling overwhelmed. I suppose it's sort of knowing that I have a relationship with money, right? So in my twenties, I may have thought about money in a different way, but when, after I turned 30, I think I know that money is about like, what kind of conversation am I having with money? Is it something where I'm thinking of the long term? Is it something where, what am I looking at when I'm looking at my salary? And so all of that can become very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So can you talk to us a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah. I, I love that you actually brought up the difference in, in ages, like how you looked at money, you know, in one decade versus is another because there's a huge difference I would say as you go through your life and how you know money plays a part in that and um, especially coming off the holidays mm-hmm. right some of us Agreed. may have a little bit of a debt hangover right and this is like a, such a great time to just sit back and like hit reset and before we, we dive into it though I just want to say that if you are feeling overwhelmed no matter how dire you may feel that your situation is know that there's resources out there to help you get on pe- back on track mm-hmm. and that 
at the end of the day, it's really just, it's money and there is a way mm-hmm. to fix it. So I just wanted to say that because sometimes that. people do get, whew, you know, it's, it's a lot. to take in. It is. It's, it can be stressful. Yeah. Oh, I so love that, yeah. Stephanie. And it's just money. It can. Yeah. And it can be fixed. You know, this is the start of the year. So some of us have been like writing at our goals, you know, and you really want to, you really want to make 2021 the best. I think after 2020, we're all just like, oh my God, yes. And I think the first thing that I would say, believe it or not, doesn't actually have to do with numbers. I would actually mm-hmm. say the first thing that I want you to do is think about what's important to you and where do you want to spend your time? And it's important in your, your mentioned the twenties versus thirties, you know, going into forties, there's a big difference in expenses and things that come up in our life. Right. And so you mm-hmm. may have that different relationship with money because you may feel more pressure or there may feel like there's, it has to be going to in more directions. You have to pay for more totally. things. So and bigger I, things, you know, they're yeah. like really looking into houses and cars. Like it's just, it's, everything's escalated. Everything's bigger dollars. That's right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is really take time to sit with your goals and think about what you really want to achieve without bringing money into the situation and think about it for the next mm. year, next five years, 10 years. Okay. Um, and then the next one is actually when it gets real. And this is where some people can feel like it's ripping off a bandaid, but for others, we already have a sense of this, right? And, and nobody really likes to do this, but I recommend it. This is such a good time of year to do that check-in. Um, so Mm -hmm. if anybody's diligent, they may want to grab a pen and paper just to write (laughs) down what I'm going to say. Um, but it's really simple. You start at the top of the paper. I want you to write down your net income, which is your Mm -hmm. after-tax dollars Mm -hmm. for the month. And if it's a dual household, you include both. And then once you've got that at the top, I want you to go through over the past month and you're going to list out monthly expenses. And so I Mm -hmm. want you to start with your fixed expenses, the things that you need to pay in order to survive, like your mortgage, your rent, your hydro, um, minimum card, credit card payments. And then I want you to go further and I want you to list out all those expenses that make life worth it, you know, worth living. I, I say things like, I would say going to a restaurant, like eating out, but you know, maybe that looks like Netflix more these days. So sure. I, think, <laughs> I think that may actually be a bit smaller for some people, which is, which is good. And then the last mm-hmm. thing that I want you to do is look towards what's going towards like emergency savings and investing. Right. So mm-hmm. this honestly is the simplest way. This is actually called the 50, 30, 20. And what it is, is 50% of your income. If you're not sure, like if what you're spending money on or if where your money is going is in the right direction, you break it down. 50% Mm -hmm. is going to your needs. So that's that mortgage rent. The 30% is going to your wants. So that's like, you know, the Netflix Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. 20% needs to be going to your savings and investment. Love this hard and fast rule. This is great direction. Thank you. And the bottom line is you Mm -hmm. can't really know where your money's going until you can track it. Right. And I think a lot of us want to put our head in the sands and we're like, I know, I know where my money's going. But then you're like, oh, my God, I ran out of money again this month. There's always some surprises in there. Like even if like we do this monthly, which we will get into because we'll talk about doing this with your partner. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you think you do know, like you said, and there's, (laughs) you know, unless you actually look at it. (laughs) And then you forget there's a lot of things you buy you forget about, especially in COVID. Like, (laughs) oh, my God, this Christmas. Can I just tell you guys, like I had bought so many things, like so many things were showing up at my house that I didn't even remember I bought. Yeah. Like, oh, I yeah. bought a, a full leopard print onesie. I don't even remember doing that. And it showed up. Like, it was, it was shocking, honestly. So I think especially over this kind of COVID 
delivery time where everything is curbside pickup. Like you're not shopping in real life. It's so different. So yeah, not shopping in real life. I love it. And actually, you know, there's been a, I I would love to write a blog on this. I have to, Uh, the, I don't know if you had had a couple of drinks when you bought your leopard one piece. I probably did. But but I actually (laughs) want to write a blog about this because so many of us actually are making these purchases after a few drinks. And then we're like, what, why did I do that? And so, and especially when it's so easy, right? Like you're writing an Instagram, you bought the whole thing. I didn't even leave the app. Yeah, carry on. Yeah. Like, I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's cute, and, that, actually. <laughs> and so this is, this is part of, you know, the situation of why so many people are overspending right now. Yeah. No, it's so true. It's so, so true. Because like, I even think about for myself, like sometimes when I'm at the computer and I'm like, Oh, I need a break. You know, I'll go on, uh, I'll have like all of these tabs open of things that I want or things that I want or things that I think I want, and then I'll just go and purchase it. And then what I've had to do is create a list of things that I'm expecting at the door. Because if I don't write that list, like some things will just come through and I'll be like, Oh my God, I forgot about this. You know? So I actually, now that I look at that list of the things that I'm expecting and then I'm like, okay, fine. I don't think I need to. Really That's, good. That. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and these, I actually, it's, I wanted to say that was actually the last step is that once you've got your goals oh. and once you actually have done that, that 50, 30, 20, you're going to prioritize and you're going to look and say, okay, how many of those goals that you wrote that you want to achieve are actually is what your money is doing? Uh, Is your money helping you achieve Mm. any of those goals that you really want? Oh yeah. So that really brings it all together. And you're like, okay. And so I like to say that's the mindfulness, which you're actually doing the mindful spending. Like, why am I buying this? Why do I need it right now? Mm -hmm. Is this something that I, that I already have? you know, or mm-hmm. is this something totally. And so that's really how you can bring it in at the beginning of the year and just, you know, take a big snapshot. So what you just said is actually really key. I love that. Oh, okay. So say more about the mindful spending. I really love that. So for me, it just kind of just started as something where I, because I'm always at my desk, right? It just kind of became a thing where I was like, okay, fine. I really need to know what's coming in the mail. And part mine was partially because I've heard of theft on doorsteps. Really. I was like, I need to see what I'm expecting. Right. So it wasn't really like a mindful kind of thing. I need to really remember. So I, think, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I need to uh, protect myself, my, my shit from burglars. Like, what am I stupid? That's, that's my motivation. So um, speak, So, can you talk to us a little bit about being really mindful about how we spend and what that looks like for us in terms of what kind of goal it can create for us in the long term? Yeah, I, I love this idea. And this is going back to be really the intentional spending. And what I, you know, it reminds me a lot about the Marie Kondo when she was going through and she says, does it spark joy, right? And that little ting mm. with it. Mm. And that's part of that mindfulness spending is when it, because it's so easy in today's society to, you know, literally swipe and it's at your front door, you know, the mm-hmm. next day, it's really important to pause before you actually make that purchase and, mm-hmm. and have that. Is this good? What joy is this going to bring to my life? As cliche as it sounds, this, this actual pause in what you're doing is important. And For then sure. the writing out those goals, you might even come back to that. That's why it's important to do, you know, that stuff that I was talking about, like, is this, mm. is this money that I'm spending going to take away from that dream goal that I have of taking my family to, you know, South Africa next year, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever that mm-hmm. might, that those goals may be. And so if it is, then mm, perhaps it's easier to, you know, put that on pause and not purchase that. Item. I think the pause is a really good um, sure. tip too, because sometimes for me, I'll, if there's something I'm looking at, especially if it's something like clothes where it's like, no, I don't need that. Will that spark joy? Yeah, maybe, but I want to give it time to see if I actually really do love it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll come mm-hmm. back to it and I might even have it sitting in my cart for a week, but I just won't. I mean, obviously there's other times that I will just buy it. You heard my leopard print story, but like, <laughs> then there's the other times I will try to be more mindful about that and leave it, you know, leave mm-hmm. it for a couple of days. Am I still thinking about it? Do I still really want it? And then a lot of, you know, half of the time you're like, no, I don't really need that. It's very similar to something else I have. And I forgot whatever, you know, and I, I but so I think the pause is a good, mm-hmm. is a good thing to pull in. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as we go into this year too. Right. I mean, I'm all for supporting, you know, I I want everyone to support the small businesses and keep doing what they do, but uh, we really do have to be careful of those big swipes. Yeah. (laughs) I really do. I really do love this whole thing because it's also speaking to sort of the individual aspect of our purchasing behavior. Right. I'm also doing it by myself. So I have a partner as Mm -hmm. well. So I'm also thinking about how to be transparent with my partner. What am I going to do? Come downstairs and be like, I bought this, 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 and this. That doesn't happen immediately because of just the go, go, go that we're doing because of constantly working or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when it comes time to speaking to my partner about, about our spending habits and what we've done, like, how do we get naked with our, our, with our significant Mm -hmm. other? Like, what does this even mean? You know? Yeah. This is the real bulk of the chat. I'm super excited about this. Cause I think, yeah, like the transparency part is key, but I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on how best to do this with your partner to manage the money entirely. Like there's transparency. What you're talking about, Anise, is when you sort of already have established that you each have your own spending money, right? But there's lots of relationships or, or systems where every single purchase the other person might know about. And that transparency is automatic. Do you know what I mean? Like that's for us. We give ourselves some spending money each a month, but then the rest is all through the mm-hmm. same account. So we would mm-hmm. see it, you know? So So yeah, I'm really curious what this means to you, this concept of getting financially naked. What does that mean to you? There's absolutely transparency is 100% like the most important Mm. thing when it comes to money. And that's, you know, if you're going to find like the root cause of any problems in a marriage, sometimes it comes down to money, right? Like there's things that Mm. are are Mm. not being talked about there. So I would say if you're coupled, this is like a whole exercise that can take on a life of its own. But if you're not married, let's say you're just dating or perhaps you're, you know, yeah. Right now. Um, let's talk, let's break it down like this, because I think, uh, Anise, what you were talking about with the, um, having your own sort of pot, right. Your own stash of cash that mm-hmm. you can have that financial independence is super important. So mm-hmm. if you're just dating somebody right now and you're getting serious, um, a really great way to sort of bring up the conversation about money with one another is to make sure that you're doing it in like a level playing field. So a really good exercise is to make it fun. I suggest like setting up a date, like a time and a date to go out. And this is something that you can go out to like a neutral, you know, playing field, like a coffee shop or a restaurant, if you can still do that in some places in the country. Um, But it's really good to make sure that you're in a, a, you know, a, a welcoming space. And then before you go, each of you will write down on like a piece of paper or a post-it note. You're going to write down your gross income, your total debt. So like your credit card or student debt, anything else. And then your total, yeah, Ooh, your, your total savings, like anything that you might have stashed away in checking or savings or even some investments that you might have. And I would mm-hmm. even encourage the fourth thing. It's a, it's a little bit more, but um, is to each do your credit score as well. And that's, that's actually more important if you plan on like buying a condo together or something. These are the things that you need to be aware of. That's right? really great. Mm-hmm. That's really great. How many people have gotten into relationships and they didn't yeah. quite understand the significant level of someone, the other person, yeah. debt or whatever. Like that's a great, mm-hmm. great, great exercise to actually sit. Yeah. And that. so when you're at the coffee yeah. shop, then you just swap the notes. Right. And sometimes there might be a surprise, maybe mm-hmm. not. 
you're going to hope that there's mm-hmm. not, but if there is, okay, yeah. this is the time to address it, which is why you're in a public place. Uh, and then you, you're, you're, you're literally both like showing what's you're bringing to the table, right? Like that's what yeah, it is. love it. Um, and so it's really important because it really levels the playing field. You both know the numbers, um, what you should be exchanging before, because if you're going to have a kid together or something, you just want to know what's on the road ahead, right? Like you just want to be prepared. Mm-hmm. You don't want you know, to find out there's a major detour coming because you have to pay off somebody's like hundred thousand dollar debt that they've got. Exactly. Yeah, super exactly. important to know that. So acquiring someone's debt. So when you're having a conversation with somebody, these are kind of some things that are really important to talk about because it ends up becoming something that I want it becomes your your problem. Right. You know what I mean? Not necessarily without the word problem. Like it's there's a negative tone to the word problem, but it's like when you're entering into a partnership, you need to know what you're acquiring because you're acquiring it together. Exactly. And I think that's a really huge, huge, huge component of entering into a partnership, even though we don't think about it. Absolutely. At all. And that's a good time too to talk about your goals. What are both of your expectations for you know, your financial goals in the future, what do you want to achieve? So that's, that's a huge part of it. And if there is a big debt that needs to be paid off, it needs to be taken into consideration. So, you know, if you're, (laughs) of course, we're going to talk about if you're married, okay. You know, if you're married, um, you know, you might already be well established into a financial, into your financial habits. And I don't, I really don't want to pick on women here, but you know, after all these years, guess who's deferring long-term financial planning to their spouse still is in North America. Yeah, it's women. Totally, totally. Yeah, we're it's women, specifically Western culture. Mm-hmm. So, but absolutely, you're right. I think that that still is the default. It's like in old traditional ways, but we are still doing it a lot more than I think we realize. Yeah, and or we talk it's, about. It's societal, yeah. it's cultural, and yes, it is definitely North American and you know, uh, unfortunately the numbers are ticking up. So it's not the older generations. It's actually studies have shown that it's, it's new. It's millennial women are also deferring. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, okay. and some of the excuses, or I guess you could say reasons that they're giving for this is that they're just, you know, they want somebody to do it for them, take care of it for them. I, I'm not sure what is, is, you know, where this is coming from, but it could just be that there's, Me you know, um, just this, the sense of I've got too much else that I need to take care of, but the only person who's really going to mm-hmm. take care of your money is you and women live a heck of a lot longer than men. <laughs> so, and actually, sorry, I just want to input there that when you're saying that studies are showing that millennials mm-hmm. are getting someone else to take care of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I said it at the very beginning of the intro, but in the studies, you're seeing that that can be their significant other that could be, but that could also be their advisors, you know, like they're basically just like somebody else take it. It's like, so it's not necessarily the, the men in their lives or their partner in their lives. That's just, they're saying someone else advisors. Exactly. Um, and it doesn't, and it doesn't take much to, to learn a little bit. So what I would say is if you're in a relationship right now and your partner is, you know, typically, yes, one person will take care of it, but I think it's really important to have that level of transparency. So not that both people have to be totally on it all the time. Yes. One person is going to enjoy Mm. taking care of it more than the other, but I do think it's important to start asking questions, right. Um, and really start to understand what's happening. Like if you haven't really been involved at all, you really should start to get involved. I would just say that's the first step, you know, and if your spouse doesn't want to share, then I would, uh, I'd wonder why, (laughs) right? So uh, I think it's really important to, to, to dig into it. So just remember that no one is better at money than the other person. You both have equal skills. You can totally figure it out. Um, so it really is easy to get transparent. I think you just have to find what works for you 
and tell your partner that you just like to, to learn more, sit down with them and go through it. Very similar to like taking a date night approach to it. I think that's really important because you may have a lot to cover. You want to make sure the kids are gone. Like you've got some quiet time. There's not going to be interruptions and start small. You like, you know, discuss your future together. What are you guys looking to do? And it makes it kind of more fun when you're looking at, you know, what it is that you're investing and saving for and what the situation is. Right. And it might be a conversation that needs to happen over like two or three discussions. This may not all happen in like one go, depending on how much there is. But, you know, once you've done that and you're, you're aware of what's happening and you can start to learn some more and don't forget too, with technologies these days, it's really easy to track and manage as well. And just make sure you know the passwords, you've got access, you can see things moving in and out where you need to be. And I would just say that if you've got an area that you're not really familiar with, just pick that one little piece. Maybe it's, you know, you want to learn a little bit more about what is a tax-free savings account and how does it work? And just like literally listen to a podcast or, you know, read some blog articles on it. Just start small and just build your knowledge from there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I would just, I'm a huge advocate for financial independence. And I think that in every relationship, there should be three accounts minimum, mine, yours, mm-hmm. and joint. And every woman should have her own financial cushion. It's super important. Cool. And even guys should have their own stash of cash, honestly, because you don't ever want to find yourself in a position where you have to ask to get your nails done or buy a pair of jeans, right? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's really true. I just want to really touch on the whole cultural difference thing. And I think I'm so grateful for your this conversation because it's true. Like, I need something of my own, right? I have my own cushion of cash. I want to build something for myself. I'm not saying that the relationship could go sideways. I'm just saying that this is something that I need for myself. So there's also this piece of feeling rich just because you know you have your eye on your money. So there's that there's that feeling of being rich. And then also there's the cultural conversation piece, which I was thinking, I'm of Indian heritage and I grew up in Kenya. And Kenya is like, if you see the women in Kenya, they are the most enterprising women probably you'll ever meet like in the world. And I really, I really mean this, right? Everyone does business. In fact, it's done more easily with women in Kenya. Like everyone is doing business all the time. So it's part of the dinner table conversation. How you take care of money is, is just ongoing, ongoing, ongoing. And it seeps through the Mm -hmm. culture. Right. And then for me as an Indian woman, I have, I come from a particular group of people who have survived through colonial times by doing business. Simply, that is just the way we operate. That's how we've survived. Those two prong pieces into my sort of way of being and thinking has made my financial independence of like utmost importance. And so that's what I talk about with my girlfriends. It's how we move forward together. Like, this is what I'm doing. What are you doing? So when I think about this this thing of being transparent, even with my partner, I think there's an opportunity even to be transparent mm-hmm. with our friends. How are you taking care of your cash? You know, so there are so many yeah. aspects and it's so rich, just like Tabitha said. Um, so I'm not sure like what I'm basically trying to say. No, but it's just I'm a great basically- point. Yeah, it's a really good point. Yeah. Um, I, when I lived in Japan as well, and it's interesting mm-hmm. to bring up the culture because I, I do think it is like cultural system in North America. Because mm-hmm. in Japan, women actually uh, hold the purse, like they they take care yes. of all the household management and the long-term yeah. investing. Yes. It's not just like, yeah, they take amazing. Yeah. So it's, it is interesting. Right. And like, but I'm, I was so fascinated by the concept of Chama because one of my girlfriends was like, why don't you join our Chama? And I was like, well, I think I'm moving to Canada, so I can't. But if I tell you how much dough these 
biatches have made <laughs> since I left. Like it's crazy. I was like, why well, I should have just joined. Anyway, so this that's is crazy. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> that is bomb. Let's do it here. Yeah. You and me. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with that. Stephanie <laughs> <laughs> can join too. There we go. Oh Done. My yeah. God. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I love it. I love what you're saying because that's that's it. Like there's this big taboo about talking about money. And I really it would be amazing if women could just really start to discuss it a little bit more with one another. It's okay. Like it's nothing to be it's all the emotions we've tied to it that make us feel that that shame or guilt or fear. Mm-hmm. seriously mm-hmm. seriously the pressure the pressure of the pressure of being um not on the same playing field financially right well, so basically the pressure of not like making the same or like not having the same amount of mm-hmm. money but i think that there's also some pressure and sort of what stephanie i think you're talking about too is is the knowledge piece you know like i think that there's such an intimidation factor for for lots of people they don't understand how certain mm-hmm. things work and so I think what's really nice, what you're talking about, Anise, is like talking about that with your girlfriends is a really nice, safe space to learn as well, right? And so, of course, you could go and listen to podcasts and take those things on independently and in your own time, but also to ask your friends uh, about about things to learn that way is that's just a great way to to get more confident and comfortable. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like specifically, I'll speak to Kenya, the Kenyan um the Kenyan sort of cultural thing where women get together and they incorporate a business and then together they buy things that they wouldn't normally be able to afford by themselves. You know, like they'll buy a home, they'll rent it out, they'll look for another project and another project. And over time, the all of their wealth grows. So when you walk into a relationship, you're already if you have one of those group settings, you already have your own stash of cash. So one, you need to protect it. And one, you also need to, um, be communicate about it. And three, it's also your own. Does that mm. make any sense? That's awesome. Know? Let's do this here. I think that's such an amazing idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's bring it to North America. We'll start it right now. The three of us. Okay. So I just want to bring it back a little bit to the, to the partnership, um, with your significant other for a little. So, you were saying about how important it is for us to have our own sort of stash of cash. Do you have any kind of recommendation as to like how much you think we should be trying to, I know that's a real, like it's a very specific question and will obviously vary, but like the, the guidance you had with the 50, 30, 20 was really cool. Is there anything like that that you think people should be having in their back? back yeah. Um, well, I mean, universally it's always been said pay yourself first right and what that really means is that you're putting aside the average has been 10 percent to invest uh so out of each paycheck that's what you should be doing if you um have a workplace employee program you may already be doing that through what they've got you know set up for you in terms of a self-directed investment account but i would just say that mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. for women i don't think 10 percent is enough <clears throat> excuse me i would just say 12 percent or more should okay. be um, okay. included for retirement for a couple reasons. The first is that women still, mm-hmm. we still have the pay gap. And so we do make less than men, but we also live longer and we do yes. take time away from work more than men just to take care yeah. of, uh, you know, children right. or elderly. Those are still the traditional models that especially we saw during COVID come out even more. So for I would sure. say 12% or more is important for women to be setting aside. Okay. That's cool. Okay. So before we wrap up, because this has been such a, such an incredible rich conversation, um, this concept of 
talking about it more and being more transparent and <laughs> getting <laughs> naked with our, with our significant other. That's the part that we didn't quite touch on that I'm super curious what you think about is this is so emotional. And I think we talked about a, a couple Ooh. tips about Ooh. how, you know, just doing it slowly and getting more um, confident in your own knowledge and comfort talking about money. These are all good things to do. What do we do in the conversations when it's starting to get, when the anxiety is creeping in or the defensiveness is creeping in, or it's just starting to become too much of a difficult conversation with your significant mm. other and the fights. <laughs> what do you, what do, we do there? I, I, absolutely <laughs> love, I love that. Love that. Love that so much. Like, please enlighten us. <laughs> I wish that I had like the best answer for this, but it's I was going to say that, you know, feeling anxious about money is perfectly rational to have as a rational response in some situations. Like let's say that you've just lost your job or your spouse has lost your job, or you know that layoffs are coming, right? Like, yes, you can feel anxious mm. about money and that is okay, but you can't ignore it. Okay. So if you find yourself in that spiral, that financial anxiety spiral, uh, or even if you are being def like quite defensive when something comes up, um, I want you to take a deep breath, okay? And you have to remember that that it is fixable. But I want mm -hmm. you to then look at what was the trigger, right? What set you off? Was it the fact that the credit card bill mm -hmm. just arrived? Or was it something that your spouse said to you about housing prices and, you know, what you're looking at doing there? So I want mm -hmm. you to look at, like, what was mm -hmm. that trigger, and just identify that because that's going to be where the issue is. So let's say, for example, if it was the credit card bill, maybe you know that perhaps you overspent and that's why you're getting defensive. Um, so mm. it might be that it's time for you to start look at reigning in your spending habits, you know, and if you're still having that anxiety about that credit card bill and it wasn't that you overspent but you've got anxiety about it, then you might be having this deeper emotional response happening to, an, to this issue about your overall feeling of perhaps scarcity, right? Or this fear around money mm -hmm. that may be worth exploring. So I would say that the, the best thing to do is just take the space, right? Like if you and your spouse do get started into a heated conversation, just acknowledge what the what the actual trigger is there for why you're yeah. feeling that. And then I would suggest go each off on your own and work through it before mm -hmm. you come back again. So it can be. That's good. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Stephanie, I just really also want to say there was an episode that we did a couple of weeks ago on overcoming mm -hmm. overwhelm, right? And our guest said that she had read somewhere of how women look at money and how men look at money. And men look at money like it's an ocean. Oh, yeah. And women look at money <laughs> like it's a puddle. And so this oh, thing that you're yeah. speaking to about scarcity is that we look at money like it's a finite, it has it's a finite source. And men look at money, and it's a generalization and very oversimplification, mm -hmm. of course. Mm -hmm. But men look at money like it's an ocean and it's an infinite space. So I also think like there's this piece that we can think about when we're putting more cash in our, in our bank, in mm -hmm. our accounts, getting rich as fuck. <laughs> I just want to, like, you know, I, I want to think about like, what is that that mentality that is blocking us, right? Of like, why, why do we think, why do we think of money as a finite? Why do we, why do we think from a place yeah. of scarcity? It's, it is interesting because you know? there is big differences right? about how money, yeah, how women think about money versus men. And it's really interesting too, because uh, the, I haven't heard the ocean, the way that I've always used the analogy is that women, men think of it as a river, you know, money comes in, money goes out, like it goes up and down. And for women that mm -hmm. it is the pond, right? Mm -hmm. And it's about that sense of being static, oh. right? So 
it doesn't, it only moves in one direction. It's going to go down. And, you know, women do tend to worry a little bit more about losing their money. I don't know why. And it's perhaps cultural, societal, but you know, what's really interesting is the financial service industry has started to realize that women do actually perceive money in a different way. They think about it differently. And so they are starting Mm -hmm. to incorporate more goals-based investing uh, accounts. They are looking at ways to speak to women in a sense that they know women want to use their money to help others around them. Whereas I think that's also Mm -hmm. um, women approach it from a sense of security and taking care of others and themselves. And so they do want to build that money in that way. And so I just think that there, this is starting to come to light in that there's no right or wrong way to think about it. It's just different. It's just how, Mm -hmm. how it is. And I, I honestly, I, I wish that I could flip the switch and have women start to realize that money is something of abundance. There's a more than enough to go around for everybody. And yes. you can, yes. you can totally increase your wealth and you can be responsible for it. It's you, you really don't need to set those limitations on what's possible. Yeah. Oh my God. This has been so incredible. Oh Guys, God. if you want to work more with Stephanie too, because this is what she does. She's coaches women in particular to manage money and invest. So if you guys want to work with her, um, you can find her on wolfcollectivewealth.com and that's wolf with an E W O L F E. Um, so reach out to her for sure. Cause, um, this is just like a little snippet, I think of what you could get into, right? (laughs) For sure. It's such a rich conversation and thank you so, so much for wrapping this up with a bow. Like, honestly, you're, you're, thank you ladies. Let's make those women wealthy. (laughs) Yeah. 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 <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you guys for um being here for 2021 with us and for uh yeah, kicking off a new new podcast year <laughs> for uh part two of this series where we're gonna be talking about alternative investments. Wow. Oh yeah. Get your, get your uh pens and paper ready. Um and thank you again for being here, Stephanie. It was so, so fun. We could talk forever. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot Bye. of fun. Great way to start the new year. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Hi, hi, hi. Hey, hey, hey. Oh my God. Did you like that? How was that? Yeah, I love that. I would that that was so great. I feel like we could have talked to her forever. Like there yeah, was so many was... other things I wanted to get into. I just thought it was so interesting simply because the topic was so rich, so wide, so varied. And when I was trying to think about like women in my life who um, defer sort of money management over to their partners, I was Mm -hmm. kind of stumped because I don't think like, and that's kind of the conversation that I had to have with myself is actually, this is actually very common. And for me, it it was uncommon, if that makes any sense, right? Because like- Because of the cultural sort of- um, Because of the Differences you see in the people you know. Yeah, for sure. That's super interesting. Like every, like, it's just not an option. Like in- with them within the conversations, a lot of the women, you know, yeah, the conversations that I've had. And I even say like, even my money, my, my money, even my mom, she deferred uh, like financial management to my father, uh, very sort of in a very traditional sense, but she has a lot of say and a lot of understanding and right. a lot of rich conversations around money. So I, it's, 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 it was kind of new for me, but it's not really a new thing. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was really interesting what she was saying about millennials and how yes. it is so common for them to pass off. Yeah. And I, one thing that I, I think some of that comes from is because I also think that millennials, younger generations, I think people are more comfortable with letting different experts run with 
their pieces of expertise, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, and mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. that I kind of see that that makes sense to me. It makes sense to me as millennials kind of going, you know, I don't really need to understand this fully because I can just let this expert take care of it. And it allows me the space to focus on whatever I can, you know, so I understand that mentality. And, but I think what's great is her being here and talking to us about this and reminding us what that there should kind of be a base level of understanding exactly. and knowledge and expertise that we should have. And sure, the details you can pass off maybe, or, you yes. know, so I thought that was an interesting sort of And point. you know, what else is so interesting is something that you said earlier was that it, the idea is to have a conversation. The idea is not for all of us to do it the same way, you know? Right. So I manage my money with my partner in a certain way. You manage your money with your partner in a certain way. The whole point is just to have a kind of transparency, have a conversation about it. And, you know, there's an emotionality piece to it, but it's so, so individual for all of us at the same mm-hmm. time. And I for loved sure. that. I loved that so much, you know? Cool, man. What a way to kick off the year. I know. Ooh, so ooh, fun. ooh. Well, we'll see you tomorrow. I, I know. <laughs> see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Thanks for being here, guys. We're so excited for this year. We've got some cool things cooking up um, and kicking off with this Show Me the Money series. So we've got um, Joseph Barron of about Alternative Investments, and mm-hmm. he's GoPeer, which is Canada's first uh, peer-to-peer lending platform, which is very cool. And then very on Friday, cool. we've got the Rebel Mamas back uh, to talk about their new book, Get Your Shit Together Financially, which is amazing. So we just can't <laughs> wait for this series. And we've got so many other cool things cooked up this year. We're just, we can't wait. It's going to be a good one. It. Can't wait. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Happy 2021. Yeah. <laughs>